1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. As promised, every Thursday we're going to talk Yay. prospects. <laughs> your baseball oh, I'm not Amer- going to
0: make that a thing. I'll stop. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to make that a thing. Yay! Uh, it's John Manuel and J.J. Cooper with your weekly Thursday Baseball America podcast. Uh, very happy to have SeatGeek aboard as a sponsor. We'll tell you a little bit more about SeatGeek coming up. But in this podcast, J.J. and I are going to pick up where we left off about three weeks ago before lots of things intervened, and wrap up our organization talent rankings discussion. We got through the top 10 org talent rankings for those of you scoring at home. That was the Dodgers, Astros, Braves, Red Sox, Nats, Rockies, Rangers, Phillies, Brewers, and Twins. And JJ, just diving right back into it uh, with the org talent rankings, you and I seem to agree that right around 13, that first group of 13, I wouldn't say there's a cliff, but there is a dividing line in that 13 is maybe closer to 5 or 6 than 26 is close to 13. I mean, like,
0: there's a pretty, or even 15 is close to 13. I was going to say, if you told me the Pittsburgh Pirates are 11th team, if you want to lay out the argument for the Pittsburgh Pirates to be 7 or 8 on this list, I will entertain that.
1: Or the Rays at 13. If you want to have the Rays, and you said, you know, I really believe in the Rays' depth. I believe in Blake Snell's star power. I like them better than the Rangers. You know what? And the Rangers are seven. I'd hear that argument. Right. I think you're I would say discussion. you're wrong
0: because I would say, you know, the Bizarra, the Gallat. There's too much hitters too, over pitchers. Too much top end guys. But that's the discussion. Yeah. At the same time, the Mets. Yes, I like Stephen Matz, But the Mets at fifteen. If you try to make the argument the Mets over the Reds who are twelve, I'd be like, no, no, no. I, I don't see there really being a case for the Mets to be at twelve just ahead of the you know from fifteen.
1: Right. No, I agree. Or even or the Rays. So let's let's talk about those the, three teams together: the Pirates, Reds, and Rays. And it's easier to group the Pirates and Reds together, JJ, because they're in the same division. And well, you know the, the Pirates are organization of the year in twenty fifteen. Um, looking forward to being there on Opening Day to present the Chalice with the Palace, uh, the Chalice with the yeah the Chalice and the Palace. I can't remember the Danny Kaye anymore. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. Um, but I'm going to give them their Organization of the Year trophy one more time, and uh, that's going to be a blast to be at the uh, PNC uh, for Opening Day. But the Pirates feel like they need their farm system right now to keep them at the top of this very turbulent, I mean, a very good National League Central, whereas the Reds.
0: A devastating.
1: They they are not even worried about twenty sixteen. Like their worry for twenty sixteen is we pick second. This is the first time we picked second since we dropped Kurt Stillwell. We want to get that pick right. We want to get get it right with this bonus pool. Our internet I'm not sure they want to get it right with their international bonus pool. That's a that's a whole other podcast. Um I think they
0: do. We have not heard that signing. They're gonna go big, I think now. They're
1: gonna go big. Um but that's the Reds biggest concern of twenty sixteen. Um, and the difference, I guess, between these two organizations for me, in terms of org talent rankings, is I like the Pirates' balance a little bit better than the Reds. Um, Is that why you, – did you have the Pirates over the Reds? No, or... I think
0: I was the high man on the Reds because I just think that the Reds – I don't want to call it pitching depth because pitching depth sounds like you've got a lot of guys. Right. Pitching depth is like, oh, pat you on the head. Oh, you've got a lot of pitchers who – who could pitch as it a fifth almost, starter.
1: It can be said pejoratively. But, I think you're right. But, That's but I don't how mean, we mean that with you. the
0: Reds. With the Reds, I mean what I say by pitching depth is is that I'm not promising you that Robert Stevenson or Cody Reed or Amir Garrett or Nick Travieso or Currimella Mella or – and I can just keep going. Yeah. I'm not promising you any one of those guys is going to be a star. But I do know that if I keep going on guy after guy after guy, Sal Romano – you know, again, John Lamb's not gonna be a star, but he can be a solid big leaguer. All these guys, I think that some of them, at least one or two, are gonna end up being kind of impact guys. And then you throw in I the position players, it's not as deep, but you throw in a Jesse Winker, you throw in The some, Great Blandino. Alex Blandino, who should be a very productive big leaguer. Alex Blandino, to me, uh, to, to to a strange, you know, one is his He's where Christian Arroyo was, you know. Like they're they're not. There's not Christian Arroyo's a top 100 guy. There's not a massive difference between those two guys.
1: Right, I agree. I I, I Arroyo to me has a little bit more star potential. I mean, he's has a little he, bit of that. It he's factor. younger and
0: he's he's at the same level basically. Right,
1: and he does have it's a little intangible, but Christian Arroyo, he seems like a perfect giant to be quite honest with mm-hmm. you. Where he's going to perform. I don't know if he's going to play for them
0: anytime soon, but but yeah.
1: Yeah, I I like him. I don't know how he got on the Giants. But I do, but, I, I like Alex Plandino. I think he's going to be a solid regular. I think he could wind up being a more, much more productive hitter than Brandon Phillips. He'll probably give back a little defense. But if he's the second baseman and replaces Brandon Phillips, he's going to be like, the. he'll do it the exact opposite way. He'll probably do it in a way that's more amenable to the Brennans, you know. Uh, certainly less flashy, uh, more grindery. But I like him as a potential offensive second and- baseman.
0: But I do think you look at them, and they are—they are a team. I mean, they should be. They're rebuilding. You know, we didn't even mention Jose Peraza there, who should help them at the big league level at some point right. this year. They brought in Eric Chagaila. They've added Rookie Davis. You know, in—in in a to be honest, underwhelming uh, return that they got for a role as Chapman because Very of when so. they because of when they traded him. Yep. Um, but you compare that to the Pirates, and John, the, I'll ask you: the thing that stands out with the Pirates, you said they need help soon. Because they got, they're trying to keep up Mm -hmm. in an an incredibly brutal division. I mean, the Cubs just like, okay, we'll sign him and we'll sign him. We're really young and now we're really veteran and all, you know, and experienced too. But, and the Cardinals are the Cardinals. But that being said, the Pirates, what stands out about them is, is, and they have guys, they've got a lot of guys at the top of their list who could pitch, could play positionally in the big leagues in 2016.
1: That's exactly what stands out about them. And that's why I like where they're ranked. And I think I may even have had them a little bit higher. If Tyler Glasnow's not ready to help this year in their big league rotation, then I think Jamison Tyone could be. Um, if, uh, Austin Meadows doesn't have a spot in their big league which outfield, he which he doesn't. Uh, that said, I love Gregory Polanco. He hasn't exactly locked down right field yet. But if he, if, if he the doesn't. Second half at that last year, that end of the year. Finish. He got better. But, uh, if I mean, and he's their guy for 2016. But if he's still kind of finding his way by 2017, would it surprise me if Austin Meadows or Harold Ramirez challenge him in right field? Or, no. jo-
0: or Josh Bell. Or who, Josh who, Bell. Who, who? Who? They're cramming. You know, they're trying to learn, teach him first base. Right now, the outfield's still a better spot for him.
1: It's a better spot for him. He's better at playing outfield than he is at playing first base. From an opportunity standpoint, I think he needs to. <laughs> buckle down on the first base part of it, but I love their th- the difference between their system and the Reds' system. to the, the Reds certainly have more impact arms. So I won't use the word depth. Mm-hmm. The Reds have more impact arms, a lot more impact bats, and a lot more athletes with the Pirates. And I really like the athleticism of the Pirates organization. I'm intrigued by some of their quote unquote depth guys. You know, I like their left-handers. I like Stephen Tarpley. I like Stephen Bro brawl. Bro, I, he's a great singer, unpronounceable last name for us, apparently. I like that they have like X Factor guys further down their talent, like Max Moroff and uh, Chad Cool. Like Chad Cool, like this extra heavy ground ball tendencies in the minor leagues. Like, I don't think he's an impact future starter, but it wouldn't shock me if he went up like as a fourth or fifth and- starter for them. And they have lots and lots of shortstops. Not, that's not even
0: talking about the, like the the next wave of guys for them. You know, yeah. I mean, the Brian Hayes, the Brian Kevin Hayes, Cole Tucker, who looks like he'll be back at some point. You know, maybe a little quicker in sixteen than maybe we, you know, we, yeah. were feared earlier. You know, again, and then they went last year I, again. Kevin Newman, um, he's a guy who could be a very solid big leaguer. Right. At some point in the not-too-distant future. He
1: is a controversial player because there are other ra- ra- ratings, rankings. Keith Law, specifically among them, at ESPN.com, who has Kevin Newman ranked a lot higher. Disrespectfully disagree. It's not personal toward Keith or toward Kevin Newman. He was a player who was very uh, controversial last year in reporting on the draft, JJ. Some scouts saw him the same way Keith saw him. Some scouts see him as a surefire shortstop. Some scouts see him as a plus runner. Other guys see him as an above average runner. Some guys see him as a great future hitter, a guy who's going to be a 6, maybe even a 65 future hitter. Others see the fact that he got pitched to inside aggressively for two years in a row in the Pac-12. He had a sub 700 OPS in the league against the coaches who knew him. They knew how to pitch to him and they, they pitched to him extremely effectively. So for me, the track record of Cape Cod League batting champions is awful. They're like two of them, Steven Piscotty and who was the other one? I mean, in this century, there are two of Cape Cod League batting champions who've been useful big leaguers. So, winning the Cape Cod League in last year's batting champion, Andrew Calica, was a draft-eligible junior who was not and who was a 12th-round pick at high school. So, not a guy who came out of nowhere, who wasn't signed as a free agent. He wasn't even drafted as a junior. He was available. Nobody took him. That doesn't happen to great Cape players. So so the point is, winning the Cape Cod League Batting Championship, even two years in a row, is not proof that you're going to be a great big league hitter. So I like Kevin Newman. We both like him. he got a 50 medium grade in the book. Very few draft guys get medium grades, JJ. I think he's a very safe bet to be a big leaguer. I, I think the weight of the scouts that we've talked to is more on solid player, less on impact big leaguer. If we like Kevin Newman better, the Pirates would probably be a top 10 farm system, but you know, he didn't make our top 100. I, I do like Brian Hayes. I liked their 2015 draft class. So it's actually another reason why. But to me, Tucker, Newman, even Gift De Geppi, Max Moroff, they have depth. And Kevin Kramer, who I think is going to move to third base, they have nice middle infield mm-hmm. depth as well. So there's a lot of things to like about the Pirate system. There wasn't that one guy to love in the Pirates system for me because I think we both have our doubts about whether Glasnow... I love Glasnow. He could be a very impactful starter or a very impactful reliever, but there are a lot of
0: there's a lot of if he's a very unique player. He is a guy who there is a little bit more variance. There's a little bit more risk just because he's such a big guy, and you kind of the question is is I mean I'm working on a story for this issue about guys who have shaky control in the minors. Who you know how how often do those guys become solid control in the big leagues and is a guy who's always had shaky control. It hasn't mattered because if no one hits on you,
1: it's just so hard to hit.
0: Right. It, it's basically, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you're talking about in in the end, it's all the same bucket in some ways. Which is, is that okay? Right. If this guy gives up eight hits per nine and walks one, and you give up five hits per nine and walk three, well, you're let you're you're giving up less base range, and not only that, but if you give up five hits per nine. That's less balls that are being struck solidly right. than the guy who gives up eight hits per nine. That, There's more that, doubles and triples and homers than there is in the guy. Again, there are not many guys who can succeed at the big league level walking three and a half, four per nine on a regular basis. Tyler Glasnow may be one of the guys who can simply because he's so hard to hit.
1: That, that has been so consistent throughout his career I what can't is his minor it? league average i mean it's, it's under 200 i i, I know we 181 i believe yeah i think we looked this up in a previous podcast so it definitely is ground we've covered but i mean it's just so consistent for him he, this is not something he did at lower levels but it got better at higher levels or anything like that you know no one has hit him <laughs> and no one and it's not as like they haven't hit him no one hits him hard it's 171 so it was 220 in triple a in eight starts so i'm not sure how much he's going to help them in 2016, I do put a lot of faith in the Pirates' pitcher development so, at the big league level, especially. The Ray Siriage is a is a is a master of his craft.
0: That that gets us to 13. We're rolling along here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 13 is the Rays, and I, I do think with the Rays, I mean, it starts with Blake Snell. This is right. it's not just Blake Snell, but it very much starts with. There are, the thing that starts, that jumps out about 13, 14, 15 on this list is each one of those has a top-end pitcher, which is part of the reason that they rank 13, 14, 15. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important here for them. But Snell is a guy who we expect to see make an impact at the big league level in 2016 at some point. Seems like there's a kind of an opportunity for him. But it's not just him. Brent Honeywell is a guy who I think we both feel pretty comfortable about making an impact Probably twenty seventeen, but yeah, I like Brent he's Honeywell the next guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. Taylor Guerrero is. I, I'm more convicted in Brett Honeywell, but Taylor Guerrero is still a, a very solid prospect as well. We we are Jake Bowers fans.
1: Yeah, we are Jake Bowers fans. I'm a Willie Adames fan. You know, uh, he does strike out a decent amount. He's also nineteen. and was in the Florida State League last year and had an elbow injury that he played through until August. Um, they have impact they have a lot of depth you know they have this x factor for me and garrett whitley you know uh, i thought it was pr- I thought where they got him in the draft was outstanding And the guy the guy was legitimately legitimately looked at and evaluated by the diamondbacks for the number one pick in the draft was legitimately evaluated by the rockies for the number three pick in the draft i mean he don't send the general manager to go see a guy for the 27th pick he sent him for the third pick you know so um it just so happened that they wound up getting Guys, they evaluated it for both picks at three and 27 because they were thinking about Mike Nickarak at three and they got him at 27. And if you redid the draft right now, you might get him at 57, you know? So, um, just how the draft goes. Um, but I, I, I like, uh, I like Tampa's draft from last year. Um, and it just kind of seems that like this is always how it happens, JJ, where a lot of times the sky director's last draft is his best one. I mean, I'm looking at Eddie Bain. I'm thinking about, uh, one of the years with the White Sox, uh, with Doug Lauman. When he was replaced for two years, like his last draft before they replaced him was the Gordon Beckham draft, which was their best one in a while. One of those drafts in there for, for him. So might happen for R.J. Harrison too. You know, we criticized the Rays drafts for several years with good reason. Um, they weren't as productive as they needed to be uh, in the draft as an organization. I think R.J.'s last draft uh, before he became a special assistant last, last offseason uh, may wind up to be a very good one. So I, I like Tampa Bay. Uh the next group before to, Hold on, before yeah, go we go to
0: that, I do want to talk about you know our our, our sponsor, SeatGeek. Absolutely. I and, and I do want to ask you, have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell concert tickets. I'm not just reading this off piece of paper. Okay, I read that off piece of paper, but <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. John, you know this because you also at times. We're the, both procrastinators. We're both procrastinators. <laughs> But so I kind of uh, screwed up by being a procrastinator because my wife had mentioned, hey, Alton Brown, the cooking guy, the good eats guy on food, used to be on Food Network, he's cutthroat kitchen guy on Food Network now. Okay. He's coming to DPAC, the Durham Performing Arts uh, Center, in, uh, in April. And when that was announced, my wife mentioned, hey, that'd probably be fun for us to go to that, you know, go to see Alton Brown at DPAC. I didn't get tickets because that's me. I, I <laughs> mean, that was months ahead, you know. Oh, <laughs> And so the problem with that is is that you turn around is it's like, hey, have you gotten tickets to Out & Brown? And I have not. But the SeatGeek app has fixed my problem because I love the fact that not only do they have tickets available for Out & Brown, saving my butt, but also they even tell you like, hey, this is a good buy. This is a okay buy. And you know, this one, yeah, that's not a great buy here. I love how they do that. It makes it very easy to do it. We do want to remind you with that, that... If you do it with now listening to the Baseball America podcast, if you get the SeatGeek app, download it, and then enter in the promo code BA20. There's a settings tab. You add in a promo code. You'll get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. And trust me when I say I'll be getting $20 back on my purchase <laughs> of Out and Brown tickets. So they've taken all the hassle out of shopping for tickets. They put all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you can save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games or Out and Brown uh, appearances and SeatGeek will let you know if the ticket prices fall, which is also very useful. So if you're listening to this, go download the SeatGeek app, and remember to enter the promo code BA20 so you can get your $20 off your rebate on your first purchase.
1: I know my brother did the other day, and uh, wound up sitting like he was uh, close enough the watch the Wizards game that he went to in D.C., that uh, my nephew, former BA intern for two weeks, yep. and Floyd Mayweather were giving each other the stink eye. So <laughs> that was his Seat Geek story. So if you have yours, send them into us. Podcast at BaseballAmerica.com is the email address. Tweet at us at JJCoop36 for JJ, at John Manuel BA for me. Uh, JJ, we have three large market teams. I know you don't think of the Cardinals as a large, a large market team. They're a large revenue team. They're a large. They're a large so, rev, yeah. yeah they're they're large a large market
0: because their market stretches the whole Midwest. far beyond St. Louis. When I was working and living in Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee was kind of Cardinals country. I mean, that's a long way from St. Louis, although I did drive it for a game <laughs> week, so.
1: Nice. Um, but the Cardinals at 14, the Mets at 15, the Junkies at 16. Uh, JJ, the Cardinals, for me, could be a top-ten system again, But I think we need to wait for some returns on their 2015 draft class, which I like. And their international guys. And their international guys. They are, to me, them and the Cubs, who are 20, I did both top 30s. I know you helped me report the Cardinals, which I appreciate. Both those top 30s are similar to me and that they are both candidates to be big movers in our 2017 rankings. But to concentrate all their talent, their high-ceiling talent, for the most part, in both organizations is at the short-season levels. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Alex Reyes, Claybro Torres, there are exceptions. Um, but but I, see the, I see the Cardinals as having, I think, maybe a little bit more impact talent than the Cubs do uh, and a little bit more than the Mets or the Yankees with less close-to-the-Majors talent.
0: I would throw in also where I think that there's a difference between, say, like the Cubs and the Cardinals is, is that you look at the Cardinals right now and they've got guys who are, I mean, when we say they got good pitching depth, They've got guys who fit more of that pejorative term of it. Tim Cooney right. is not going to be an ace. I right. would say, I would say it's unlikely. But That's Tim fair Cooney, to say. You know, Tim Cooney, Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver. These are guys who should be Marco Gonzalez. These are all guys who should be productive in some manner. Right. That's a lot of guys who have a chance to be either solid relievers or number four slash five starters. I know you might like Jack Flaherty a little bit more than that even, maybe. Um, I like I, Jack
1: Flaherty. I'm high on Jack Flaherty. I believe in the athlete, I believe in the change-up, and I believe in the Cardinals' ability to bring it out of it.
0: But you go past that, and then you get to the guys like Magnus Sierra, who is high ceiling, high tool, you know, heavy tools. It's everything, but you want to see him have success beyond the Appy League before you buy in, especially he was over his head, but it was a pretty bad Midwest League first start yes. before he went and dominated it's Junior Fernandez who I mean, you want to talk about fascinating arms non Anderson Espinoza division. Very fascinating much so. Arm. Fascinating Very much arm. so. You know, it's it's guys like that, and then you mix it in their you know,
1: international their international group is really an interesting group of players because um, you know this was an organization that felt like they'd fallen behind. We both just read the Howard Megdahl book, and it's a some inter- it's a good book, interesting insight into how the Cardinals were an organization that really felt they'd fallen behind, and kind of how important. Oscar Tavares was to them and then Carlos Martinez. If you're an organization that feels like you were behind at something and then you come up with Oscar Tavares and Carlos Martinez, that's how you catch up. You caught up. You caught up with impact bat, impact arm. Obviously, it's a, it's a shame, a tragedy, an actual tragedy about what happened to Oscar Tavares. Um, and I, you know, as baseball fans, we're all the ones who are going to miss out. He's in the Nick Adenhart category. We'll never know. What that talent could have been like in an extended period of the major leagues. And it's just, as a baseball fan, it just, you know, just hurt, it hurts but, in that regard. But so Carlos then, Martinez, pretty good. So what they're doing and the way they've applied it in Latin America, internationally, I believe and I have faith in those guys. I just want to see them do a little bit at the in a full season level.
0: On the flip and side. Reyes is the next thing. On the flip side, the other part of what they've done, though, is that you look at Harrison Bader and Walter yep. Young, and those are two guys who. Are very much what the Cardinals do over and over, which is draft the college bat, who there's, carries some defensive questions with them, and then teach up, coach up the defense. Right. If I'll put it this way, if Harrison Bader is drafted right. by another team, I would have more concerns about whether he could play center field. And
1: Paul DeYoung for third base, absolutely. Paul DeYoung, who was a guy who, you know, played catcher, second base, third base, right field at Illinois State. Um, You know, hey, maybe he winds up being a right-handed utility bat. Maybe he's in that Ryan Roberts, Ryan Rayburn kind of phylum of players. Um, I think he could 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 hit his way to be a regular third baseman. Mm -hmm. And, hey, who is the organization that's really good at taking these? He fits the Alan Craig, Matt Carpenter, that phylum of college position player who had some checkered injury history. He fits that to a T. So he was a guy where just I remember talking with Derek Gold, JJ, talking with – with Derek, when we did the list, I think if Derek had done our Cardinals top ten, he would have had Paul DeYoung in the ten. He would have wanted to run
0: I, him up. I think my original iteration had it, too, and I was like, oh, we can't do that. Couldn't or, quite. It couldn't, it was not a bridge. Yet, not yet.
1: It was a bridge too
0: far for me. But... The, but Let's talk about the Big Apple teams, Mets yeah, I was going to say, the, the Mets, and now the Mets, you know, you, you look A couple here. with
1: more hits than the Braves and the Yankees. Now, do remember, we actually
0: do not have the Mets. It is, it is to just clarify. Oh, it's mets Indians, Yankees. Yankees, I'm sorry. Yes, because we did tweak after the uh, Rolls-Chapman trade. You
1: told me that twice before the show started, and I apparently ignored you. That's what I'm here you. for, you
0: know. <laughs> but looking at the Mets, I mean, obviously, again, the Mets start with you have a high-impact arm. Stephen Matz, who's already made an impact, if Stephen Matz... Didn't do anything else. He's already been a, a a very successful second round pick.
1: And what a great success story for the Mets! Uh, two thousand nine top draft pick. They waited a, a second while. Second round. Pick, <laughs> and yeah, and he didn't play for two years. Um, I believe Three. he was. Was he was he, he Rudy Tarasos draft? Two thousand nine. That I think would have been. Yeah. I think he was. I will have to look that up. But that that uh, there was a stretch there where the Braves. I mean, where the Braves or the Mets. Pitching drafts where they got Mats and then the next year, Harvey and DeGrom. That's two pretty good years of drafts. I mean, that's really yeah. impressive. I mean, that, 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 that's gonna, that, that could one day be the kind where we're gonna looking at that the way we look at the, uh, the Giants where they got Lincecum in 06 and Bumgarner in 07. The Mets are close to that already, if not surpassing it with DeGrom and, and Harvey. I mean, it's sick to bring, and then if you throw Mats into it and he develops into a legitimate, Mid rotation arm, that's pretty sick.
0: Oh, it is, and the other uh, you have to say the other part of depth for the uh, for the Mets is shortstops. Yeah, I yep. mean, which is good because if you said okay, what are some of the problems that the Mets have had? It's been middle infielders who can catch the ball and range <laughs> right. further than a, a step to either side.
1: Do we think Ahmed Rosario has star potential, JJ, or do you think he has good potential, like good everyday regular, or do you think he has a chance to be a star?
0: It really depends on what you're defining as a star. Like, I'm saying okay. like
1: a guy who makes some all-star teams from
0: time to time. You know, like, or, like, to me, he's like... Alcides Escobar made the all-star team last year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so then by that definition, <clears throat> yes. Do I think he could be better than Alcides Escobar? I think there's a chance, yeah.
1: Yeah, 2009 was a Rudy Taurasas draft. And let's give Rudy T some props. So was 2010. So for a guy who I believe is in their pro scouting department right now, I mean, <laughs> that's, again... We talked about earlier. Sometimes your last draft is your best draft. Rudy T, <laughs> Jacob Degrom in the ninth round, and Matt Harvey in the in the first. That's a pretty good. You, you can see you, you later. Can, you, you can, can peace you, out on that one. You
0: can say I I I rest on that draft. I feel pretty good about it.
1: Never underestimate
0: the heart of a champion. But that has to be said every time you say Rudy T. But you know, and then Gavin Chikini, who sits here at, at at four. I don't again. I'm, I think my Rosario is their shortstop of the future, but I think Gavin Chikini could fit somewhere in the yeah. not-too-distant future.
1: Absolutely, and they have Matt Reynolds as well. They have Luis Caprio, Carpio, I should say. They have uh, Milton Ramos. They do have... If There's a spot where you want to have... Luis
0: Guillorme, who's just kind of that... Oh, yeah. I mean, that kind of... He, the most everyday has... player slash South Atlantic League MVP <laughs> ever. That was a weird one. That was a weird one. I, you know, don't get as excited on that one yet. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, wait, that's a little 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 much, but... uh but there's no, I mean, Jimenez
1: as well, who they gave again, what, one point two million. But to the key year? thing
0: about a lot of these guys, though, is is that the reason why they rank here is that you get past Matts and all these guys. There are some questions. There are more questions than the guys that we were talking about the teams that are higher up on this list. You said like Ahmad, Ahmed Rosario could he be a star? Yeah, but there's a long way to go. And
1: they did have some guys last year. I would say, a they didn't have a first round pick last year. <laughs> The Michael Kadair signing. Um, ouch, ouch, yeah. ouch. But uh, second of all, they also had uh, Cicchini, Nimmo, Marcos Molina. All those were guys who, both those guys had taken a step forward or just kind of held their prospect status from 2014 to 2015, they'd probably rank a little bit higher as a farm system. They might be closer in our heads to 13, you know. Like, But I think there is a definite, as we talked about, dividing line. And those guys kind of take a step back and are a little bit. I have a little less confidence in all those players.
0: Now we we will talk about the Yankees first, and then we'll get to the Indians. But when you look at the, when you look at the Yankees, we want to talk about Latin American program and it being vital to a uh, team.
1: Yeah,
0: that is a, a, an organization right now that they spent a lot of money in the not too distant past. That a lot of those guys are still a long ways away. So. With that, you kind of say, "Okay, there's still a little bit of let's see." Right. Absolutely. This is again, this is an organization that, if you told me that they climbed up pretty significantly in the next year, would not surprise me.
1: Yeah, you know, that's because, and and they're going to kind of need those Latin American guys because in the next year or two, they're going to need that influx of their 2015 or 14 international signing class because I don't think that Gary Sanchez will be on this list next year. He's been on it since 2009. Aaron Judge is going to be close to breaking through by the end of this year. I feel like James Caprillion is another guy who's close to breaking through. And, I mean, we did have the Yankees ranked higher when they still had Rookie Davis and Eric Jigailo. And who else did they trade the Reds? There was one other guy in there, wasn't it? Was it
0: uh, the former national second baseman, Tony Renda?
1: Tony Renda might have been the fourth guy. I I think they they gave up several pieces. Um, Like Rob Refsnyder is number eight on this list. He probably will not. Again, he's in that... He's in that phylum of Ryan Rayburn, uh, the right handed hitting utility guy. That's who he has to be. He has to be a second base, outfield, third base type of guy to get playing time in New York, I think. So um, I do think the Yankees have players who are close to contributing. Uh, Jacob Lindgren, another one. Um, but, it's, I don't but the see guys that are imp-
0: interesting is like Wilkerson. That's right. Their,
1: income, their impact guys are all, from their for, for, for the most part, from their Latin American program. Outside of uh, Judge and Caprillion. for me, I, I I like Tyler Wade. I like Dustin Fowler. I don't like those guys as impact players. I, I like those guys as, for me, their ceiling of those guys as like second division regulars or really good utility guys.
0: Yeah, I, I do think, um, I, you know, th- this is a a system that again it 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 needs the those international those young international guys to really. That's take
1: generally where the Yankees go. You know, usually they draft lower. So if you're looking for it, you know, this year they got Caprillion, They got him what, 16th, So and, and 17th? now
0: they can't do what they could do before, which is which uh, they did uh, regu- which they did regularly do. Yeah, spend so you, a lot of
1: money either right. on uh, like draft guys, have guys fall. They didn't. They weren't very. They were not nearly as aggressive. They were aggressive the tigers. As part exactly, they were not nearly as aggressive in parlaying their financial advantage in the draft as the Red Sox were from 07 to 11. That was a very defined period. They did it the first year in 2007. And it was a colossal failure from Andrew Brackman to Tyler Grody to Carmen Angelini to everybody in between in that draft class. Bradley Subtle, none of them worked out, and I think the Yankees were a little snake bit after that, and they were very conservative. Um, and now they're in a draft system that constrains them to be conservative. So, but C- Cleveland, JJ, is other team that we I, I jumped up. I still think
0: in? when we talk about the can- the can- the the canyon though drop, I look at this. I like this Indians list. We are still in organizations where I go. This is pretty good, right? I'm right. not ready yet to say we've hit the point where you go, "Ooh, tumbleweeds, you know, rolling through here." <laughs> right? We'll get there. Trust us, we'll get there. But Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, Brady Aiken, Justice Sheffield, Bobby Bradley, Tyler Naquin, Mike right. Clevenger, who right. had a, you know a revelation of a year last year. Those are all guys I like.
1: Yeah, I mean Tristan McKenzie and Rob, uh, their whole top ten uh, down to Juan Hillman, last week's podcast guest, podcast. Guessed not easy for me to say.
0: Um I Even like their Mark system. Even Mark at thirteen, who's a, I mean, you know, nice guy to get. You know, shoulder yeah. kind of screwed up his draft year. You get it a little later, and then you, hey,
1: I do. I, I like their system all the way down to right about there. Yandy Diaz. I, I'm not on the Adam Plutko train, but uh, Ted Cahill is. So he loves he loves change ups. Adam Plutko's got a change up. I don't I don't know that every uh, you are going to pitch in very very many major league ballparks that are like TD Ameritrade. <laughs> Or like Lynchburg in the Carolina League, like he thrived in last year. So, I think he's going to have to take it up a notch, stuff wise. Um, but we're at fourteen. I think they have a lot of contributors there, JJ. I'm just not sure they have a star. You know, Brady Aiken. We don't know about his health. Clint Frazier, the swing and
0: miss is all Bobby there. Bobby Bradley, the Bobby Bradley swing, the swing and miss.
1: miss is there. Bradley Zimmer wasn't great in Double A. Was good. Uh, wasn't great. It uh, was very good in high A. He wasn't very good in. Tyler Lakewood
0: might be a fourth outfielder.
1: Mike Clevenger really kind of figured it out for the first time last year. I do, uh, I do kind of like Mike Clevenger. I like how we ranked him. Rob Kaminsky, great numbers in the minor leagues, pretty pedestrian fastball. You know, is this guy the next Rob Rasmussen? Like, to me, that's his best comp is Rob Rasmussen, as a prospect who put up some really good numbers in low A. And the closer you got to the big leagues, the more. His lack of fastball kind of got to him. There have been a lot of... Robbie Erland is another example that Matt Eddy likes to bring up. Somewhat smallish left-hander with a command-oriented fastball and good off-speed stuff, but just didn't have enough fastball to get to it. If you want a bigger example, Brian Mattis. You know, this guy's a better breaking ball than Brian Mattis, but Brian Mattis' changeup was a seven changeup, but just didn't have enough fastball to stick as a big league starter. That's who Kaminsky... He feels like those guys to me, so that's why I think he's... Less impactful than his numbers might indicate.
0: So that gets us to the A's, and this is a little bit the, the A's restocked a little bit last year after selling off a lot. I, I hope mean, they
1: did because they gave up the M- American
0: League MVP. Yes, yes, that's a trade. It's funny, you know, on Twitter. I, I love Twitter, and I'm at JJ Coop 36. He's at John Manuel BA. JJ
1: tweets more than me, so I love
0: Twitter, and yeah. I love. I, that like there it are, less. I love that there are A's fans who are still like, no, no, no. We can't evaluate this trade. Bretto hasn't reached there at all. And it's like you don't, you can't win a trade where you trade a guy who's been putting up MVP numbers, who then goes and puts up MVP numbers and wins the MVP, and is still under team control yeah. for multiple more years. I'm sorry, you don't win that trade by getting back in starters. They're and, never going to win and that trade. Franklin Beretto, who is number one on this list, and we like Franklin Beretto a lot. That they're gonna not going to be Josh
1: Donaldson. But they're never going to win that trade. I mean, that's just a bad trade. B- Billy Bean's done a lot of great things in his career. That wasn't one of them. No, well, that's all. But, that's but this have. year they
0: stocked back up. Shmanaya, you know who they? Well, really, if you look at this list, Franklin Moretto at number one, who they acquired in the trade with the Blue Jays, we just talked about. at number two, who they acquired in a trade this you know this past uh, season, the Royals trade where they traded Ben Zobrist.
1: I will uh, also throw in here, JJ, that this system, if we redid the talent rankings again, it took a little bit of a hit when they made that trade with the Brewers with Jacob Nottingham and uh
0: yeah, that was, and
1: that was, Bubba that was, Derby. That was post our org talent rankings. Those guys were eleven and twelve.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not sure how much further down we would drop the Angel the A's for losing players eleven and twelve. Probably not too far behind, but
0: I'd probably slop it behind but, the Giants. I
1: think I might slap it behind the Giants and the Cubs yeah. because I do like what the A's have at the top better than the Giants and the Cubs. I like Barreto's impact. I mean, I think the only reason he's behind uh, uh, Glaber Torres for me is there's less certainty about where he's going to play. He played shortstop in 2015. He played outfield in winter ball. We put him at second base on the depth chart, and you put him at third base. He we could play position somewhere, but it was
0: probably not going to be shortstop.
1: Right. So where he finishes playing is in question – but the batter's box, we have a long track record with Frank, Franklin Barreto dating back to his amateur days in Venezuela that this guy's going to hit. And I like the impact of Sean and Matt Chapman very quietly had a sneaky good year last year. I know he struck out a lot, but his whole
0: question coming out of Florida was if he going to hit for power. He hit for a ton of power last right. year. Right. We want to see a little bit. Some of that came in parts. Yeah. You say, okay, let's right. see you do it again. But that being said. There was never any question. No, there's never been a question about the arm. I mean, right, ever, right. And there's never really been a question because of that about the defense.
1: Absolutely, so, his floor is like a better version of Matt Dominguez for me, and I think that's a floor for him. His it's, floor,
0: his floor for me is is a right-handed power reliever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right. And that was there were scouts who were oh who yeah, that, they wanted him to do that. Like, it was at uh, the
1: 99 that summer with the College National Team? I think he threw one inning and he hit 99. I hope it didn't. I hope that wasn't when they had. Uh, but one inning that Alex Bregman caught that summer. <laughs> I hope they didn't put those two things together, but that would have been awesome. My head would have exploded to have seen that. But they have power in this organization. They have some pretty interesting high floor They're, guys. But there were
0: a lot of guys who really, when you ask it, a lot like, of what you position, miss. but also when you say power, a lot of these guys who have power, they have a lot of first basemen.
1: Yes, they do have that too. I, I think that their pitching depth is suspect. Mania then Casey Meisner. I'm not huge on the Dylan Overton train. I'm not big on Dylan Covey. I kind of like Dakota Chalmers. If it was of my list, I would have ranked them higher in our handbook than Jim Schoner did. But I do think – I like Oakland's bats. Um, that's why they rank – where they rank. I'm, I like the Giants' bats, JJ.
0: I, the Giants uh, are – when we weird. talk about a depth system, Yeah, the Giants have I, – I would put it this way. I, I think that they have – I always hesitate now to say this with the Giants because then Matt Duffy's going to go out and hit better than Matt. You are Duffy. haunted by the ghost of Matt I Duffy. I, I, I'm there's, ha- there's no there's way. There's a giant cat sitting over my head looking at me and go, "You, you, you screwed up." And nobody
1: knew. Nobody could know about Matt Duffy. But the, but they not even this, the Giants thought that they, would be. But, that but the thing is,
0: is, they do this year. I mean, it's not just Matt Duffy. It's Matt Duffy after Joe Panic, after Brandon right. But Cr- Joe Panic was a first round. I right, know, I know. But what I'm saying though is, is that they are a team. I'm not beating myself up They're anymore. They're good I'm at getting saying, a lot out of big They guys. get a lot out of guys. And when you look at this team right now, you look at this farm system, we already talked about Christian Arroyo crazy enough. If you weren't here, if you jump to this part, Giants fans, yeah. jump back. When we're talking about the Reds at like two minutes in, we <laughs> talked Christian Arroyo. But once you get past that, and I don't know what to make of Tyler Beattie who's been – about three different pitchers already in his very young career.
1: He's vexing. He kind of breaks our grade system. He
0: should have been like a seventy-five double extreme because I have no idea what he could be. Because at his best, he has been at his best. He has been a really hard-throwing starter at Vanderbilt who was very good at times. At his who's SEC pitcher of the year as a sophomore. At his best, he has been a ground ball machine, sinker baller with the Giants in high A. Yep. At and his then in best, between, he's at, been at at his, best. at
1: his best, he's shown a 60-breaking ball like as a sophomore. At yeah. his worst, he's shown a 30-breaking yes. ball. But I mean, he's just – he. which Tyler Beatty if you looked at our top 100 and you said which guys should have been on there and weren't, in terms of background, the guys who should have been on there were all the two-time first-round picks who weren't on there. And two of them were Giants. One of them's now Philly and Marco Pell. But Tyler Beattie and Phil Bickford, these are two-time first-round picks – I don't think we know what to do with JJ because I. What do we know about these guys? I I. I don't know what Tyler Beede is going to be yet, and Tyler and uh, Phil Bickford. Why did he not sign two years ago? What was his health issue? What's the makeup like? I don't think people have a great read on his makeup. And third of all, what what off speed pitch is this guy going to have as a, if he's a starter? That's going to be an above average off speed pitch. It's a it's a dynamite fastball. Dynamite. Uh, he he would. He, I do think. You put Phil Bickford with the ninja Dick Tidrow. If Dick Tidrow has anything left on his fastball, he's going to get the most out of this guy's fastball. So that's an intriguing combination. I thought that was a great pick. But but you get past
0: that, I mean, and again, There's you don't you're not to rank very high on a list because you have incredible bullpen close to the big league bullpen arms. Right. But that's what the Giants have. The Giants have a whole lot of guys. Sam Coonrod, who could be a starter, I like but he Sam probably. Kunran you know, most likely ends up being a uh, power reliever. Coonrod Ray Black, you know, is definitely a guy who's yeah, I mean, he's definitely a reliever. He that doesn't do anything else. But But
1: if he's gonna if you're gonna have an old reliever, have one who throws one oh four. Yeah. You know? If you're gonna rank a prospect reliever, have it be a guy who can be I, impact Ian like that. Ian Gardeck
0: is another Stephen Okert, you know, Derek Law, Jake Smith. They've got a lot of these guys. I mean they really do. Again, that makes for depth. It makes for guys who could help them at the big league level and be very useful players. It doesn't make for a top fifteen farm system, and so that's where they rank where they are. That's
1: right. That's how I feel about those guys. And then the the Cubs are the other kind of controversial, I guess, ranking for us. JJ, I'll be honest with you. I thought they would be higher. Of Cubs fans
0: who were, you know, I thought they'd be higher than twenty. Of I
1: thought they'd be higher than twenty uh, when it was all said and done in that meeting. But that said, they're like the opposite of the Reds. I just don't have faith in their pitching prospects. And I don't have a ton of faith in their pitching development, honestly. Um, so like Dwayne Underwood, Oscar De La Cruz, Dylan Cease. I really like Dylan Cease. I really like his arm. I like Dwayne Underwood. Okay, I do not see him as an impact guy, whether he throws ninety five, ninety six or not. It's not a swing and miss fastball. I kind of it's not a swing and miss fastball. Period. I kind of see Dylan Cease in my own head as a future reliever. Oscar De La Cruz is probably the pitcher that I'm most excited about in their system. I think the big difference of opinion between us and the rest of the prospect ranking community about the Cubs would be the impact, potential of Billy McKinney and Albert Almora. Basically,
0: they're hitters. I don't think we're as high on their hitters as everybody else. What do you, okay? Is that fair? The way I put it this way, and I, I've kind of been a low man on Albert Almora. It's not, I've Nothing against him personally. I've enjoyed talking to him. He's a leader. He's... Great makeup, all that, from, from everything you know. You talk to guys. Well, but what is he? But when you say, what is he going to be? Again, that doesn't mean he may not be a very useful player for them. Yeah. But if he's useful for them, it's because, and it's not going to be anytime soon, because they're stacked up in outfielders right now about four deep, I feel like. Yeah, they are. You know, hey, Shane Victorino, you can hopefully be our fifth outfielder. Um, but but it is something where you say, okay, well, what's he going to be? And he, your best hope is, is he's a high average guy. Who the high average doesn't help you as much because he doesn't walk, right? And, right, and without a whole lot of power, he
1: never walks as a pro. He never walks without a lot of power. Who hasn't hasn't found it yet. Career who, minor league slugging percentage is a four sixteen. I mean, it's okay, not impact.
0: And who is a exceptional defender for his lack of speed. He, he he's very you know he he is a. Way better defender at center. A solid, very solid. You know, to be, you could throw above average defender on him. But he doesn't run particularly well. Correct. There's not going to be that kind of impact in the game necessarily either.
1: When he was drafted, to be the sixth overall pick like he was that year, you, you were banking on a very high hit tool grade and a guy who would move quickly. Well, he's had injuries, so he hasn't moved quickly. One other thing that, you know, I, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before. He hits into a lot of double plays. Mm -hmm. One is because he's not that fast, and two is because he does hit the ball hard, but he hits the ball on the ground a lot. Just doesn't have a lot of loft in his swing. I don't think he's ever going to hit a lot of home runs, J.J., so I like him. I've made the Aaron Rowan comp on him as far as, like, a best-case scenario. What kind of player can he be? But even that comp, I don't think he's going to hit 30 home runs in a year like Aaron Rowan did one time. I think he's just he's a grinder, leader winning kind of player, and he really does, long-term, fit the Cubs very well. In a couple of years, if he gets the big leagues, Dexter Fowler's contract has run out. Maybe the National League has the DH, so Swarber goes a DH. I could see Almora in center, Soler in left, Hayward in right. I could see that happening. Um, but I don't see him as a star. And in that Cubs firmament, and in any team, I see him as a six-hole hitter at best. I just don't see him as an impact guy. And I see the same thing for Billy McKinney. Six hole hitter at best. And I just don't see it he's got the hit tool. The other tools. little fringy. I just don't see impact the, with Billy. The guys, McKinney. before
0: we move on from the Cubs, the guys who I think are the guys to keep a watch on is, is Brian Hudson, DJ yeah. Wilson. Yep, absolutely. Two guys from last year's draft who could Rank significantly higher than that this next year. The
1: other guy I'll throw in there if I had to do this draft, this top 10 over again, I'd flip Jamer Candelario and uh Mark Zagunas. I think Mark Zagunas is a little sneaky, uh, can play center field at a pinch, pretty good athlete, good hitter, draws a lot of walks. I think again, the athleticism is pretty good for him. I think I dinged him a little too much for moving off catch or to an outfield spot. I think he might hit enough to be a, a, a regular in the outfield. I, I kind of like him.
0: Now we move on to, and I pause to say this because I'm still processing. Oh, your pro- World Series champions, Kansas City Royals. Shouldn't be that hard. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm still. We, I've been writing Royals top thirties from you know when that seemed the impossible dream for Royals. Right. Royals, so. Right. Um, and I think the way we put it with this is, is that this is a system that is the thinnest it's been in a long, long time. And that's understandable. Uh, the way I put it at least twice on either podcast or radio shows or whatever is, is they took a hit because they traded for Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobris last year. That really thinned out some of their farm, their better prospects. Cody Reed would look great in the system. Shama and I would look great in the system. But you know what? They'll take that trade Absolutely. every time. And if that means that they win 60 games, which I don't think it will, but if that means they win 60 games in 2019... I think that the Royals fans, as they wear and keep showing that on the DVR, all those World Series games, they'll say, "Yep, okay."
1: As long as that, it doesn't take them thirty years in between the next one, yeah. I think. The thing is, they do have some interesting pieces, and if just if Kyle Zimmer were just healthy, I think we'd think of this system I, a lot differently. And I'm, I'm
0: the one who, I am maybe overly optimistic, but I still think that, I still think it is not impossible that in 2016 or 2017, one of those years, he's going to have one of these years. He's got a season where you go, you know, hey, that's the Kyle Zimmer that we've been waiting for. You
1: know, the thing is, they have impact talent. They just don't have impact talent that performed in 2015. Raul Mondesi we think is an impact talent. He just hasn't hit in the minor leagues. Kyle Zimmer has an impact arm. Just can't stay healthy. Bubba Starling, impact athlete. He might might wind up a Drew Stubbs kind of guy. Who knows? I kind
0: of like that as a you know yeah, a I, potential. I, I,
1: he might wind up Jeff Francoeur, which is the negative, which would be the worst case scenario in some ways. Um, Miguel Almonte, last year's two high school draft picks, Watson and uh, Ash Russell. There's impact Martin in this Gasparini system. is yeah. a
0: very high. I mean, he's very a very high
1: twitch athlete. Absolutely. Hey, Foster Griffin. I, I like Ryan O'Hearn. It's kind of like a sleeper. He's got power. He's got power. I mean, so there's impact there. It's just not impact that's done it at high levels. That's what gets you into the top ten.
0: Okay, then you get to the Diamondbacks, who... The we're, Diamond- they were
1: six last year, and they had the number one pick, JJ. They should be higher.
0: They've but they chosen don't have not those to. number one picks. They those don't have- number one picks are not, you know, they look around in spring training, they're looking around and going, Where, where's Dansby? Uh, I don't see Dansby. Where, where's Tukey? I, I don't see Tukey. And they're on the other side of the country. They're in Oakland, right. Florida, you know. In they're, the
1: they're, they're, they have evacuated their minor league talent uh, by choice. To help I mean, major let, again, team. this
0: is the way this sums it up. Here are your top picks of the decade. Yep, you beat me to 2010, it. 2010, Barrett Lau. Never, you know, okay, that's why he never even Ow, saw Ow, my liver. 2011, Trevor Bauer. He was there for he a gone. minute. He was a was there a minute and a half. 2012, striker Trahan, who has just been... The, frankly, he's a bust, yeah. period. Just a just bust. 2013, Braden Shipley. Okay. Now you're number one prospect. Number one prospect. But coming
1: <laughs> off a pretty below-par year... In uh, Double A, we're just scouts Trump's were very
0: non by him. Ticked up a little bit at the end, but yeah, Tuki Toussaint, 2014, the less that is said about that Tuki Toussaint trade, the, the better, better right. for the Diamondbacks because, again, uh, you know, yeah, the less said, no, it's not. Yeah, and then 2015, of this to no one. Dansby Swanson, which uh, that trade for 2015, 2016 may work out well for them because Shelby Miller is a solid pitcher in the long term. If you're the Braves. They called up again today and said, Can you do that trade? They'd do it. If you called up next year and said, Would you do that trade? Yeah. They'll say they do That could
1: be a disastrous trade because Ender Insiade is a pretty good player and Aaron Blair is a good pitching prospect.
0: That and could Dansby be a, Swanson is. And Dansby
1: Swanson is the number one pick in the draft. I mean, that could be a disastrous
0: trade. So uh, you take all that out. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's thinned out the system a little bit.
1: They, they do still have some guys like, you know, again, uh, Bill Mitchell wrote the Diamondbacks. Does a great job, has super prospect enthusiasm. I would rank Domingo Leyva higher on their list. I would have ranked Taylor Clark higher on their list at the College of Charleston. I could not convince Bill to rank Taylor Clark. I like Taylor Clark over Peter O'Brien. I just couldn't convince Bill. And he wrote it. Uh, I even like Anthony Banda over those guys. I like Zach Godley at 18. I think Zach Godley's going to play a role for them. If they're good in the big leagues in 2016, J.J., I think Zach Godley's going to pitch important innings for them. So
0: There's uh, still some pieces, but there's just not...
1: But their depth is gone and their impact. I mean, we haven't mentioned Archie Bradley and what's happened to this guy the last two years. I mean, the 2011 high school pitching class was a really strong class. He got to the big leagues very quickly. At this time last year... I think if he didn't, or two years ago, if he didn't count Masahiro Tanaka, he was our top-ranked pitching prospect in the minor leagues. And that wasn't us on a limb. It's just He just went backwards. And it's a shame. I hate I just hate to see that.
0: That gets us to the White Sox. Which... And, and, and,
1: and by the way, the real quick answer on why is he had that wandering release point. He just totally lost his release point. That video you showed us a couple years ago. I remember
0: watching up. A- last star of the season in 2014 and it was like <laughs> it, was, it was it was ugly it was frightening he
1: was totally lost of where to release the ball next it was a wandering release point he had no idea how to stay on top of a breaking ball and that inconsistency led to a breakdown of everything else it was really it was difficult to watch that video but the, the good guys you know the good guys are another organization that we could have dropped because they traded three top 10 teams but this is like no, another part the, of the chasm. actually. the trade, no, the trade, no, the
0: trade already, are already reflected in that. Okay.
1: It was reflected. The, yeah. the, the, there was, there was still a pretty big chasm between them and the Blue Jays. <laughs> the Blue Jays at 24. Cause the Blue Jays, I haven't gone back to count this up yet. Um, from past handbooks, the Blue Jays have 17 extremes out of their top 30. Oh, it's the, it's, it's gotta be the record.
0: So it's extreme. But you look at the White Sox and obviously it starts with. The top two guys. I mean, Tim Anderson, Carson Fulmer. That's
1: why they're still ahead of. Right, because Tim Anderson is a
0: close to the big leagues shortstop or at least something of a, you know.
1: Up the middle player. Second base, shortstop, center field. One of the three.
0: And Carson Fulmer is a guy who could move quickly. Whether it's going to start a relief, we'll Still to be determined. And hey, I still it is the White believe. Sox.
1: I still believe it's Spencer Adams too. I'm a bit. I know he had a, just a modest first full
0: season. You hope to see the velo tick back up a little. Yeah,
1: bit. Yeah, I believe in the athlete. I believe in the stuff that that the stuff will come back. I'm I'm a, I'm a Spencer Adams guy.
0: You know, but I do think overall. You know, these are where you're getting to the systems that they're thinner. Yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, you, you just hit it. The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays system is massively thinner, and there's a good reason for that, which is is when we talk about the. I mean, they went all in. They broke the piggy bank.
1: They took everything out of that, and they broke their other piggy bank. They took everything out of that, and they moved on down the line until
0: they ran out of and pitties. It, and and the reality is is that, hey, you, you understand why they did. They were back in the playoffs for the first time in, I wouldn't say forever, because, hey, I remember those World Series, but 22 years there's a lot of people time. listening to this podcast who do not remember them being in the playoffs.
1: I, will, I wanted to throw in, I like pick, I've been picking kind of like a deep sleeper in all these organizations. I kind of like Eddie Alvarez in the White Sox system. What a great story! Speed skater to oh, yeah to minor league ballplayer. Watching him in Winston Salem. I know he's 26, but it does sound like he has tools. He has a good reason to be 26 years old and and in low A. It does sound like he has tools. It does sound like he has some back to ball skills. JJ. The good too. news for
0: you, you know, on the Blue Jays is is you have a lot of choices for uh, sleeper picks because you there's do. a lot of guys who like stat lines end in GCL DSL
1: <laughs> and, so. and TJ. There's yeah. an awful lot of that. Uh, Ryan Barucki is kind of, and Tom Robson, those are t- kind of the two deep sleepers. The left-hander Barucki, a little more athletic than Robson. Uh, both coming off Tommy John surgery. Both guys that uh, the Clint bot, Clint Longenecker loved before uh, he left us when he was doing Blue Jays lists. Uh, but that system really is. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they treat the draft in the post anthopolis era. It sounds like Tony LaCava is much more influential on the draft now. Uh, for this new Blue Jays organization, Brian Parker, still the scouting director, but uh, going to be a different approach if they take the Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, Cleveland approach. Uh, it's going to be a much more conservative draft approach than what the Blue Jays are used to. So I felt their aggressive draft approach had served them well and gave them the assets that they trade used to trade. Um, that said, JJ, Alex Anthopoulos is no longer their general manager. So I think things are going to get a little bit more conservative in Toronto on the draft front. And on the international front
0: as well. Now we hit the... Okay. Now we're starting to get to crap town. <laughs> so Padres, 25. The Padres list is helped massively, massively by the Craig Kimball trade.
1: I mean, we were really struggling for who their number one prospect was going to be. And, and just, then it was like,
0: hey, we got two guys who we have to struggle because either one of these guys could be number one.
1: We had a really hard time designing between Guerra and Margot. Either one. I mean, th- those That's guys right. are so... It's one and one A.
0: There's so little difference there as far as... They're different players, but there's so little difference as far as... If you like Margot better than Guerra, you're not going to get a giant argument for us. Right. It's, it's small. It's a very small difference. If it had not been that, Hunter Renfro or Rudy Hirong would have been number one. And either one of those would have been a uh, no. A lesser number one.
1: Would have definitely <laughs> been uh, Hunter yeah, Renfro. Bro. But, uh, who? <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have I mean, the three of their top
0: eight prospects or guys they got in that one trade. And you get to, you know, Jacob Nix at 11, which, hey, you know, this is a good arm. He didn't have the thing last year and he's a still number 11. He yeah. hopefully came back. It looks like he came back from it. But Carlos Suahe, I love a Suahe, but he's 13. He's a utility guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's basically like a better fielding version of Jan Jervis Salarte. Uh, he's in the same kind of player, to put it in Padres' terms. It's just, you know, all you have to say is this is an organization that historically, and here's their top draft picks of the decade, Trey Turner traded prematurely, Hunter Renfro, Max Freed, injured, traded, Uh, Corey Spangenberg, okay, but not a lot of impact, Carson Whitson ow, my liver, Uh, Donovan Tate, (laughs) yikes, Alan Dykstra, Nick Schmidt, Matt Antonelli, and you can go before that. It just historically I was say, that,
0: we didn't even mention the words. Damian M.
1: Bat Bush didn't mention. Two thousand five was Carl, Caesar Carrillo. Uh, two thousand three was Tim Stoffer. He's the best of that group from two thousand to two thousand nine. That organization's first round picks were very poor, and historically, the Padres, as an organization, they've probably gotten less out of the first pick of, uh, of their first pick. Than any other,
0: uh, any other organization. And here's the it thing: we've got four, five teams Worse. To still, to still talk about. That gets you to the Tigers, who, Ooh. much like the A's, the Tigers' approach in recent years has been: these are useful pieces. We trade these things in the farm system, these players, yeah. and they give us big leaguers. And they this treat, year they, they did swap it, you know, and I, hey. The Tigers were the team, you know, they were the best team in the AL Central for a, quite a while there. So, I understand. I'm not even knocking the approach. Right. They were able to restock a little bit this past year because, for once, they were not in it. I'll and also
1: give them credit. They did graduate Jay's McCann, who I think we were, I don't know if we are always light on, but he had a decent him. rookie year as a catcher. It's hard to be a rookie catcher. He was number six the year before. Um yeah, you know, they graduated three or four guys in their top ten and traded Hernan Perez. So McCann, Tyler Collins, Bruce Rondon, all gone. Um, This is also an organization, JJ, one of the reasons why Ben Badler does their top 30 every year is they're very active in Venezuela. They're an organization that has been fantastic in Latin America, but really specifically Venezuela. And uh, that's really one of the things that's kept their farm system afloat over these years. The, uh, the The prospects they've had, like Domingo Label, we talked about. Have they traded to the Diamondbacks or like uh, um, Willie Adames? They mm-hmm. traded to Tampa to get uh, in, in the David Price deal. Those Latin American assets that they keep coming up with has been integral to their success. So, but that um, being
0: said, they're, Michael Fulmer who they acquired last year, number one, right? Bo Burroughs who they drafted in the first round. Okay, that's fine. Number two, you would like a your first round late for later first round pick to be high, lower than two, but. Yeah. After that, I mean, Mike Gerber's three, and he's a bat, but that's a, that's a surprising three. 15th round pick.
1: I it's a good college <laughs> senior draft. We liked that draft at the time. I thought it was a good senior pick. Had a really nice year in the Midwest League last year. Was there all year because that's kind of how the Tigers do things. Went to the Fall League. I wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked at all if he jumped to AA this year. But Jacoby but, Jones, who's got a, a drug suspension, a 50-day drug suspension, I kind of like Jacoby Jones more than most. But, do. I mean, um, but there's still a lot of risk there. So much swing and miss. Kristen Stewart, same thing. The only deep sleeper I kind of like there is Winton Bernard just because of the story. Another Pir- a Padres draft pick, JJ. Uh, what was it, 35th round? And then the Padres released him. Two years later, he's like, on the 40-man roster and he has a Midwest League MVP under his belt. I still think he's a fourth or fifth outfielder, but it's just not a system with a lot of options. But they are very good at identifying enough assets for trades. And the other thing is when they traded Price last year, JJ, they traded him for guys like Matt Boyd and of course, Dan Norris, yeah.
0: who weren't eligible for the list. Right. And would make this list look a lot better. Absolutely. If that gets you to the Orioles and you talk about Al. Now I mean, that's get, the thing, the story of the Orioles we is. Look at the
1: fallow four, JJ. This is how Matt Eddy termed it in an article. These four organizations that had no one in
0: our top third, in our top 100. Not time least ever. the Orioles, at least the Orioles had three guys
1: yeah. who we at in least consideration.
0: considered. Chance Sisko, who's number three on this list, we consider because he is a catcher who can hit. Can he catch? We don't know so much on that yet, but right. he can hit. In fact, signs point to no in my magic ball. <coughs> Dylan Bundy number one, Hunter Harvey number two, are two guys who, when they have been healthy, they've been really good. Yeah. In the case of Hunter Harvey, you can the concerns ours is that this is a very slight pitcher who has had trouble staying healthy. You know, he, he was on the mound today as we record this on Thursday, and he was pumping 96, so, hey, there's some hope there. Dylan Bundy, there's a little bit more concern because the, you have to go back a long, long time now to remember Dylan Bundy being healthy and pitching. I would say time.
1: that I still think that Bundy's best, the reason that he's number one is that Bundy at his best Oh, it's better than Harvey at his best. Dylan
0: Bundy at his best was considered literally one of the best high school pitching prospects of of at least a decade.
1: I don't see Bundy being at his best in 2016. I don't know that he'll ever be at his best. But he had a wild. He could still give up some stuff and still be an effective pitcher. Best case scenario for me for Dylan Bundy in 2016 is they have him on the big league roster and between the disabled list and some long relief stints. He pitches maybe 60 innings in the major leagues this year. Maybe he makes a couple spot starts in September if they're out of it. Or he's good enough to earn a couple spot starts late in the year. I think that for him to get more than 60, 70 innings would be a miracle this year. Oh. He's out of options. so it's a, It would it's be a injury bad, rehab. It's, it's a bad know. scene. It's a bad scene, man. I mean, Hunter Harvey hasn't pitched above low Class A. What can you get out of Hunter Harvey this year? 80 innings, I mean, I, 100 innings max in high A this year, maybe mm-hmm. at your at his best. I mean, or at his worst case scenario as he hasn't had surgery yet. Worst case scenario is had Tommy John surgery. I mean, that's why he's two. But Harvey, at least with Dylan Bundy, we will have <laughs> we will we will be it will be we done will this year. Sort of we'll answer. know. He's either going to uh, we'll, we'll finally have figured it out. Chan Francisco again, big question again for me Chancisco is the guy who I think in our, organ, in our office consensus, JJ had the most votes of any Oriole for the top 100 because of the bat. But I think we all have grave concerns about where he plays. And if he doesn't catch, where's the power? I.e., where he has to move to a corner spot like a left field or a first base. And if he does that, where's the impact? Maybe a third base, I suppose. So who's your, a high school
0: short? So who's your sleeper guy here?
1: Uh, well, I do, I do like Michael Gibbons as a 20. 16 rookie yeah but you can't
0: have that well other oh, sleepers five.
1: Dave, the, the sleeper is David Hess at 18 who really finished last year very well in double-a um I don't love David Hess I don't love the walk rate but um but I'm interested in David Hess but it was 60 walks last year 57 walks in 144 innings so but he's got one of the better arms he's down at 18 he's kind of a the sleeper there
0: so that gets us to the Mariners and Ooh.
1: We all had a, it took a village to do the Mariners top thirty this year,
0: but the Mariners had a very productive debuts from the 2015 draft, and that's good news because <laughs> yeah. besides that, they didn't have anyone have productive. Kendall Marte made it to the big leagues. Yeah, otherwise, like Alex Jackson, who was considered consensus. It was not controversial. Consensus best high school bat in the 2014 draft class. Yeah, and he was bad. He was, he was bad. DJ Peterson. There were Oof. concerns with DJ Peterson, how much Oof. impact, and he's only... And I know he plays third, but he's really a first baseman. If this message. were
1: number 30, since we were at the end of the podcast,
0: I'd go, no, to the opposite year. Yay, when we started. But DJ Peterson had a terrible year. Austin Wilson, Gareth Morgan, again, as I oh. said earlier in the podcast, oh. the less said, the better. Yeah. I and mean, Tyler O'Neill had a lot of homers last year in the Cal League, but he also struck out uh, a ton. I mean, but... That's one of the, the bright spots. You Edwin Diaz could be, uh, you know, if you he could be a 3-4, you hope. Yeah, you hope he could be a 4 4 Drew starter. Jackson, that's the story. That's the hope. He Drew Jackson, who was a, a fifth-round pick, that was a very nice pick by them. He got contacts last year. He started actually being able to see the ball, and it's amazing how being able to see the ball does make a big difference in your ability to hit. Trying to keep things simple and you want to just see it and hit it. Part one is see it. <laughs> yes.
1: You know? Yes. Um, um, but, but this is a system, JJ, that just,
0: just, it's amazing. Marty Blash was number 11 on this list. They lost in the rule five.
1: It's amazing how little progress anyone in their system made last year other than Kettle Marte. I mean, like, who else had a good year? Tyler O'Neill, I guess, had a good year, but I mean, it's a more remarkable how most guys either were hurt or went backwards. Beep, beep, beep. I mean, like, they're, they're, it really does seem like they're pick the click sleeper is probably... I, I like Kyle Wilcox, the cat of Bryant. Uh, but that's another... It's almost cheating to take a draft guy for them, you know? Um, <laughs> There's just not a lot of sleepers there. And, and you pretty,
0: see what Jerry has done after he got this is He's trading off every... Oh, oh you yeah. want this guy? Fine. You yes. know, fine, fine. It's I'm not giving up much. We've still got two more.
1: Yes. The Mariners are a typical profile of a number 30 farm system. And yet... They are not number 30,
0: and it wasn't by a long shot. No, they were were not in consideration. They weren't. The Marlins were at least in slight, and I had to say slight consideration. Why do the Marlins not 30? Well, Josh Naylor, who's number two on this list by himself, would probably keep them out of 30 because you'd rather have Josh Naylor than anyone in the Angels system. Tyler Kolak, okay, if you're charitable, let's just call last year a mulligan. Yes. Adjusting to pro ball – and it was a rough adjustment. It I mean, was... got to see him a lot. You know, thankfully because they're in Greensboro, they're right down the street from us. If you are being negative, I'm I'm kind of an optimistic guy. You
1: are an optimist. You if, like
0: players. If you're focusing on the negative, there were at the worst, there were appearances where Tyler Kolek would go out there. Tyler Coyle, Mister 100 miles an hour in high school.
1: Not One year either. later,
0: uh, having trouble adjusting to the five, you know, every fifth day schedule. And you would, if you were behind the home plate, you put your radar gun. It's like, wait, did I just get eighty nine there? Exactly. And you're going, was that a change up? And then you realize, no, that was his fastball. Now, again, thankfully, that was not. He did not sit eighty nine last year. I don't right. want anyone to think that hearing this, but he sat a lot of times low nineties, and every now and then you'd see that 96, 97. Every now and then, in fewer of those, if they gave him extra rest, you saw the same. V-lo. So it was in there. But it so wasn't it like, he was, like he was hurt. But he just, But he also did not show a breaking ball that looks right. promising right now. Right
1: and no feel for a
0: changeup yet. And other was, than that, though, it was it was great. He competed. I mean, he really hey, he did took compete. the ball twenty five times. He competed. I mean, he got beat up a little bit, and he didn't go into a shell. He just kept going. But that's the number one prospect we're talking about. And then the reality of it is, is that you get past those top two and yikes if yikes. you said if i gave you an over under on of uh, the rest of the top 30 i say two over under guys who end up having who are big league regulars in a significant role you take the under yeah i think i remember. I'm not counting utility infielders i'm not talking 6th and 7th inning relievers no you said regulars who in a significant role I'll, I'll give you i mean so what i mean by that is is there a one through five starter not a six, but a one through five starter, an everyday, you know, a regular starter position player, or like a setup man or closer. I'm
1: taking the under. Okay. Let's move on. That moves us to the Angels, oh, and gonna... now I'm going to give you the
0: over-under on the entire Angels top 30.
1: Marlon Sleeper, Jacob Ash. love them, since, lo- since, I, yeah, love them since he was at uh, Georgia Tech. Just want to see him do it a little bit more. But... Okay.
0: Angels, over-under. My over-under is two again. I'm giving you the entire top 30. I'm not taking away number one and number two this time. Entire top 30, two guys who are everyday regulars of, a, of or as a pitcher, a significant role.
1: Under. Under. I'll give you Jamai Jones and maybe Taylor Ward for a push, but under. And I kind of like Brendan Sanger at 15. I kind of like Joe Gatto at 7. I get it with Nate Smith. You tell me Nate Smith if Nate Smith had one Matt Shoemaker 2014 year, okay.
0: The problem is, is that then the Matt Shoemaker. Then repeat, 2015 it, year but then repeat it.
1: I mean it's, it this is the this might be the worst farm system ever. Not by ever because it was the prospect handbook era. I don't know. Prospect about, I don't know what the era. Kansas City A's It's all that matters. Like, you know, yeah, prospect the
0: pro- Handbook Era. In the Prospect Handbook Era. Um, to I mean, put...
1: Don't you have a spreadsheet that had like war by farm system through? Oh, 2013? I can find. I can try to
0: find you one that yeah is. Uh...
1: And there, but there were There were very few teams that had produced nothing.
0: Very very few.
1: This one might may produce nothing. I, I hope Taylor Ward has like a John Manuel bingo. Like, uh, you know, I I critique the pick on the draft show. I I did not. I can't believe he's our number one prospect for them because. I don't have faith in his hit tool. Um I haven't talked to a scout who does. But he can throw. He's got a chance to catch and throw. He's fairly athletic for a catcher. He just sounds like a backup to me, JJ. He sounds like a backup catcher. Jamai Jones has a higher ceiling as reflected. He's a fifty five extreme versus a fifty high. Jamai Jones is your one guy in the whole organization. But that's the two thousand fifteen second 55. round pick. Yeah. That I mean, that's, should that's, not be your highest ceiling guy.
0: It's but a, literally, I mean, to put it this way, I just feel he so the bad. Guy, he's the only guy we have on this Angels list that we grade as being above a 50, which a 50, and again, most of the 50s, there's no one who's on a 50 on this list who's not a high risk.
1: Right. That's the other part of it. Yes.
0: The 50 highs, the way we always put it with it, if you have your prospect handbook, 50 highs are the common cur- currency. of of farm systems yes every team has 50 highs
1: i will give the i'll give them credit i don't know how much jeffrey Marte will help their big league team but think about the fact that they have caleb cowart they have kyle kubica who they traded ricardo sanchez for who would be their number one prospect Mm -hmm. you know that has to be one that people in their organization just have pain over they thought they haven't found some prospects because right. I mean, yeah. when they found say, some guys.
0: When we say how do they get here? Well, how do they get here is is that they've made trades. They are in a very much a I mean Sean Newcomb would be an yeah. excellent number one.
1: Hey, Chris Ellis isn't awesome, but he'd be fine as your number two. They have drafted okay. Rick Wilson hasn't done a bad job as their scouting director. But he's been handcuffed. They have not had always had a first round pick. Not always have big bonus pools. Newcomb was a 2012,
0: they didn't have a pick to the third round. Yeah. You're I mean, going to have trouble getting much out of a... As you said, you're, you're right up on it. It's like, basically, it was Michael Roth and Mike Moran. That's cool. your... And, hey, Mike Moran to the big leagues, and an active...
1: I mean, Michael Roth, too, but Michael Moran is you know, a solid 6th, 7th inning two, guy.
0: 2013, they didn't pick until late in the second round.
1: But that draft... I mean, I know they got Nate Smith, and maybe he'll get... To big leagues, but Hunter Green,
0: yikes in a way. Hunter Green, who, is, who has, in 2013 second rounder, who has 17 pro innings. That's not a good combo. No. But that, again, I mean, this is a...
1: When you don't have a lot of picks, you don't have extra picks, and you don't have big bonus pools, And your draft often comes down to, like, those guys at the
0: top. And, and when but you beyond miss you, that, the thing about it is, is, and I don't even fault them for this, but do remember two years ago... The Angels had a terrible bullpen. And so what they did is yeah. really, the the equivalent of it is, is that you are trying to figure out a way to keep your house. Right. And so you basically rip up everything that you can sell. I They did were very creative. Everything must go. To find a way to trade for Houston Street. Right. They fixed their bullpen. Right. It cost them.
1: And they won 98 games of the big leagues as a result. And they also got Trevor Gott in that deal, Right.
0: Jose Rondon, by the way, who we talked about on the Padres list, who's not a great prospect, but Jose Rondon would look great on this list. Yes, no doubt. You know, so they have found some talent again, and then, not a ton, but they have found some. And again, it's not Sean Newcomb is good a prospect. He is. They're a team that's trying to win now, and Simmons helps them win now. You make that trade because yeah, you just know crazy, at some point the reckoning is going to come.
1: The crazy thing about the Marlins and the Angels at twenty nine and thirty is both have both originally signed top hundred talent. They just gave it away. And at least the Angels got Anderson Simmons for Sean Newcomb. The Marlins just threw (laughs) Francis Martez into this already bad trade with the uh, Astros. And Uh, woof.
0: Let me ask you this. That would be a good way to end it. Like the Jared Cozart trade. If you said, I can take any, you know, I think you could take any one piece out of that. You could take, uh, if it had been Colin Moran and a compensatory pick, for Jared Kozart. You just said, ah, okay, I can maybe. And then but then you throw Francis Martez and oh by the way we're not even talking about uh uh Kiki Hernandez either.
1: Right, oh, I know. Who the Marlins cause kinda like I remember the last year he was in, the, but that was like they just they didn't shut want him their, off. they didn't want him in their top thirty. Don't forget that one. He was a guy who I was trying to figure out where to rank in the top thirty, and our Marlins guys were like, nah, you don't have to rank him. But, um, but so, that's the way
0: to, to. Yeah, Moran
1: Marisnik, supplemental first round pick for Kozar, Kike Hernandez, and Austin Waits. Austin Waits, Austin Waits already released. Kike Hernandez. Hernandez sent the boot. All they have left for that is Jared Kozar. That's that, that's that's kind of by the way.
0: Do remember the compensatory pick also insured. That's why the Astros have Daz Cameron, das Cameron. And, you know, to go with Kyle Tucker.
1: So that's how you end up at twenty nine, and that's how the Angels end up at thirty. That's a good way to end the podcast, to wrap up this podcast. I want to thank SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. I want to thank JJ Cooper for his time. JJ Coop 36 on Twitter. I'm at John Manuel We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long everybody.